Well, good morning. Great time of worship, eh? If you've got your Bibles open with me to John chapter 3, and pray that my voice makes it this morning. You know, I, I didn't ever have allergies till I got old. Well, it's not funny. Uh, this morning, I was motivated last week. If you were here last week, Stephen, in transition, he had this, he had this thought, and it was, it was this, that, you know, any time that we face challenges in life uh, and we go to God, God's general response to us is, who am I? You know, I, I'm, I'm reminded of, of the time that Jesus says uh, to the disciple, he says, you know, who, who do you say I am? You know, who do you say I am? Tell me, tell me what, what you believe about me. And, um, man, I was, I was just uh, thinking about, you know, the church's responsibility and how last week we studied that the, the church was continuously praying for Peter in prison and his release from captivity. They, 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 it says they constantly prayed for Peter. Paul says over and over and over again in, in, in the New Testament, in the epistles writing to the church, he says, he says, I pray without ceasing for you. Pray without ceasing. And I, and I think about the, the call of Jesus and his irritation and anger at the condition of the worship center when he runs in, turns over all the tables and says, my house will be a house of prayer. You know, and and uh, just thinking about how as a church, God's calling us into this, into this, you know. He, he has. It's never not been the message of God, but, but there seems to be this, this sense of urgency that, that we've got to call people's name down. I, I was thinking about what you're dealing with, Brock, your family's dealing with. You've got, he's got a, a, a sister-in-law who's had a heart attack, and she's brain dead, and they're having to consider, you know, the, the horrible thing that so many of us have to consider about unplugging uh, you know the machines and that what what a what a horrific thing that is and how weird death is and and how you know uh, you know all those kinds of things and you know then you always you always ask the first question are they a believer are they not a believer you know they believe they sick you know are, are they believers you know, uh, and, and, and the thought is, we, we, sometimes we, we, we find out somebody's got cancer or we find out somebody's, you know, they just discovered they got diabetes or, or some major thing that comes into their life and, we're, you know, we're ready to pray for them and we don't even know whether they believe or not. And the truth of the matter is, in this passage of Scripture we're about to read, Jesus says that he did not come to condemn the world, but he came so that the world might be saved. I mean, there's not a human being on the planet that God didn't, doesn't give opportunity to be saved. He did not come to condemn. He did not come to judge. You, you need to understand that, and you need to understand that, that it is our responsibility to pray those family members in, to pray the people that we love into the kingdom because Jesus has already provided. So you'll find in your, in your seats, if I can get one, a copy of one of those little dilly willies. Thank you, Chuck. This is a dilly willy. 
akin to a dilly bar from Dairy Queen, which I crave on a continuous basis. Hmm. I've caught a couple of them too. <laughs> they, they surrendered. This is a piece of paper to help you. What I've done here is I, I want you to understand that, that the kingdom doesn't move on the lives of people unless you pray. God doesn't do anything without prayer. I mean, he, he is in partnership with you, and you're the priest of your God. And so people are depending on you to pray, and so I want to help you. <laughs> I want to help you be what God said the church is going to be. And that is, so I put your immediate family, I gave you 10 slots. Rate them in order of who needs who needs to break through the most. No, you don't have to do that. And don't put your husband or your wife right next to, you know, be, be careful. Then, then right next to that, I've got work family, and then I've got church family, and then I've got schoolmates. You know, how many times the Lord puts on my heart people that from way back, this morning first service, I remember this boy named Rory. I mean, I was only a friend of Rory's for about a year, maybe two, and, and I, was, I was 10. And that name just came to my mind. Uh, as I was praying the day before yesterday, to, and I just lifted Rory up to the Lord. I don't even know where Rory is or what Rory's doing or what the scoop is, but God, God did that. The other day, too, when I was, when I was thinking about this message, I was praying, and I, I, a friend of mine that was so vital in my, in my Christian walk early on, uh, I did his funeral for his, his two-week-old baby. It was a horrible, horrific event. I know that he went through it, and I know he's got all kinds of struggles because of what he had to go through, you know, and where he is with the Lord, just praying for him because the Lord brought that name to him. So there's church members and family members, but people are needing you to pray. And I want to, to help you understand what I believe is an important feature of praying because I don't, I don't think oftentimes people pray rightly. You know, I think there's, there's great intentions, but, but I really don't think we pray rightly. And this story really gets us looking at things, I think, and it kind of tweaks our thinking a little bit, especially when it comes to an unbeliever. Well, really both, but we're going to focus on people who, who really don't believe and, um, and kind of talk about them a little bit. It starts in, in John chapter 3. Now, it's an interesting start to, the, to, to 3. He, you would think uh, because of the familiar, familiarity, whew, the familiarity, yeah, that's hard to say real quick. Let's do it together. One, two, three, familiarity. <laughs> that was, yeah, y'all can do it better than I can. Y'all need to come do this. Uh, of the scripture, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We, you know, there's, there's this, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I'll see that by, on the sign, you know. Uh, but but it's, it's a lot more than that. And it actually starts with this strangest story, just really two strange stories, but one of the strangest stories in the Old Testament and it starts in 14, it says this, And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert on a pole, so must, so it is necessary that the Son of Man be lifted up on the cross. Comes from Numbers chapter 21. Now, uh, uh, one story that we're all familiar with that I think is really, really, really weird is the story of Jonah and the fish. Would you agree? 
Anybody find it hard to believe that he got swallowed by a whale and lived? I mean, but you know, you know, it's just different. This one's the same way. What's going on is Israel, the nation of Israel, has been delivered from captivity. They're they're wandering in the wilderness. God is bringing provision through manna so that they can eat, and they can only gather the daily necessity. They have to maintain their dependence upon God for, for substance. And as they depend on God for their substance, and as they get frustrated and they get agitated and irritated and disgusted that they're having to depend on God or count on Him or eat this stupid manna one more day. And so they cry out that their souls are distraught. And God does a weird thing. He says, okay. He says, y'all are in that condition, then I'm going to send poisonous serpents on you. And you say, what? Yeah, he's going to send some snakes. I'm going to send some poisonous snakes after you. And, And he sent these poisonous snakes, and they started biting people. And people started dying. <laughs> Isn't this weird? Somebody say, yes, this is weird, Pastor. Thank you for feedback. <clears throat> so, so, so they say, Moses, intercede. This is what they say. Intercede on my behalf. Go to God and tell him to cut this mess out. Go to God and ask him to stop. And God says, God says, okay. You tell them to go make a pole with a snake on it, and, and you hold that pole up, and you tell them every time somebody gets bit by a poisonous snake, come and look at the pole. And when they come look at the pole, they'll be healed. Y'all with me? And Jesus said, just like the snake in the desert had to be lifted up, so am I. He compares himself to the thing that people are going to have to look to for their salvation. Now, what's really interesting about this, and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. You know, so oftentimes when, when people that we love, they start, they start getting bitten by life and by the things that bring harm, we try to protect them so they don't get bit. And, and what was going on with this particular group of believers is that, that God let them get bit so that they would come to a place of knowing that they needed to depend on him again and do it with the right posture and position, the right heart. And so they needed to be bitten so that they would have to look to God for their salvation. You with me? Okay, so let's keep reading what Jesus says. So, so you got that. And he says, in order that everyone, so, so, so I've got to be lifted up like Moses lifted up and serve it for this purpose. In order that everyone who believes in Jesus, who cleaves to him, who trusts him and relies on him, may not perish, but have eternal life and actually live forever. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave up his only begotten unique son. So that whoever believes in, trusts in, clings to, relies on him shall not perish 
or come to destruction or be lost, but have eternal, everlasting life. For God did not send the Son into the world in order to judge, to reject, to condemn, to pass sentence on the world, but that the world might find salvation and be made safe and sound through Him. Can you see the parallel? The, 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 now, now here, here, here's the deal. Here's the deal. You should never, ever think to yourself, I need to feel condemned. If there ever comes a place in your life as a believer that you feel condemned, you need to know that ain't God. Because Jesus did not come to condemn you. He didn't come to judge you. Why do we feel that way all the time? He came to save you. He came to bring salvation. Now that word, I'm getting all off my notes. Does it matter? <laughs> salvation, if you look at the Greek word salvation, it means, to, it means to rescue you. It means to bring safety to you. It means to bring provision to you. It means that you should prosper. It, it means to bring healing to you. It, is, it encompasses every possibility, anything that this poisonous, sin-filled world brings your way. There is a rescue. There's a safety. There's a deliverance that comes through the cross of Jesus Christ. And what do you have to do? You have to look to him. You have to trust in him. You have to believe in him. He has to be lifted up. Listen, listen, God is not going to do any more for you than he's already done. He's done it all. You have need of nothing because he's lifted up. And if you'll look to him, that's where your salvation is going to come. That's where, that's where we get the idea of the whole, whole thing of you're, you're saved when you're born again. You're saved from you know, all, all the things. And then you're being saved, right? And then you will be saved. There's, there's this whole process of, of God rescuing you from the things that come in. And we're going to be challenged over and over and over again. But there's this place of that we come to that we recognize the fact that God didn't come to condemn the world, but he came so that we might be saved. Salvation, made safe. Let me, let me just read 17. For God did not send the Son into the world in order to judge or reject or condemn to pass sentence on the world, but that the world might find salvation and be made safe and sound through him. He who believes in him, who clings to, trusts in, relies on him, is not judged. Say that. Is not judged. He who trusts in him never comes up for judgment. For him there is no rejection, no condemnation. He incurs no damnation. But he who does not believe, cleave to, rely on, or trust in him is judged already. And, and I've taught this recently, but, but how judgment comes is that we choose not to look at the cross. 
And so the condemnation comes from our unwillingness to acknowledge Jesus as Savior. So, so uh, he has already been convicted and has already been uh, received, has already received his sentence because he has not believed in or trusted in the name of the only begotten Son of God. He is condemned for f- refusing to let his trust rest in Christ's name. So the basis of the judgment, the indictment, the test by which men are judged, the ground for the sentence lies in this. The light has come into the world and the people have loved the darkness rather than and more than the light for their works, their deeds were evil. Coming from Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20. Where every wrongdoer hates, loathes, detests the light. It will not come out, of, out into the light but shrinks from it lest his works, his deeds, his activities, his conducts be exposed and reproved. But he who practices truth, say that, but he who practices truth, who does what is right, comes out into the light so that the works may be plainly shown to be what they are, wrought with God, divinely prompted, done with God's help in dependence upon him. And so as we're considering ourselves, as we're considering those that, that are on our prayer sheets, those that, that we know need kingdom, we know need to be saved, rescued, whatever it might be, financial burdens, you know, d- divorce, uh, you know, relationship struggles, children's struggles, husband's struggles, wives' struggles, financial struggles, health struggles, whatever it may be, those people that work that need salvation, need rescue, uh, Th- that is made available to Jesus. And what they have to do is they have to, to bring that to the light. There's this habitual bringing things to the light. That is the common denominator in those who believe and trust in God. And the reason I say that is there's so much, there's so much, uh, and there's so many people that are, that are burdened, that are heavy laden, that are, that are captive, that are held back and don't receive their destiny and don't become what God created them to become. It's because, it's because they, they refuse to bring their junk to the light because they're ashamed and they certainly don't want the church to know because because then they feel like they'd be judged but we understand because we understand the nature and the character of God that he didn't come to judge us he came to save us and so if the church is judging then they're not acting in regard to the nature and the character of God because God didn't come to judge he came to save And so we should always be in a posture to rescue and save. So the church should be a place where it is normal to come to the light. To bring your junk to the light so you can be saved. Now let me just give you, now I want you to think about this with your unbelieving friends as you're praying for them. And your believing friends because it's important that they bring their junk to the light. The comparison is the snake in the wilderness, and the story, as I've already told it, goes like this, where, you know, where, where Moses says, all right, build this snake, and they hold this snake up, and he says, now listen, once you get bit by the poison, once sin enters your life, once you're, 
whatever, the temptation, once it snared you, grabbed a hold of you, once your flesh wins the day for some stupid reason and you stumble, which we all do. Whenever that day goes, whenever that poison is infused, what you have to do is you, you have to come to the, to the snake and you have to look at the snake. And when you look and trust in, in, in God's ability because you've come to that state, what that represents is God's provision for you, God's salvation for you. And once you look at that, you're going to be saved. And see, so you need to understand that for your, for, for your believers, uh, for your unbelievers, I'm sorry, for your unbelieving friends. I, I want to help you learn how to pray because oftentimes what we pray is this, God, God, do something. You know, God, I want you to do something. And, 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 you know, and, 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 and God's answer to you is, I did. I did it all. I've done it all. I've got, I've got, I've got the cross held up in the air. If, let me give you, let me give you the example. If the people in the Old Testament would have got bit by the serpent and the, and the person says, hey, listen, you know, we built the snake and we got it on there and God says, all you got to do is go to the snake, look at the snake and you'll be healed. And the person goes, I ain't looking at no stupid snake. I don't care what God's provision is. I ain't going to no snake and I ain't going to look at no snake. Are they healed? What's the only way? To be healed. Look at the snake. See, you praying for your unsaved loved ones for God to, to go get, and God said, I've, got, I've already done everything I'm going to do. My love was poured out at the cross. They need to go look at the cross. You need to pray for them that their eyes would be open to what Jesus did at the cross because God's, this is what God says. Listen, this is so stinking good. God says, I don't care what kind of poison you've gotten yourself into over the years. I don't care what kind of decisions you made that have been contrary to the will and the ways of God. That cross is able to rescue, deliver, and bring prosperity to whatever. Whatever Satan meant for harm, I'll turn that into good because I'm salvation. I'm salvation. I came to save that which was lost. I've already done it all. It's available. All you got to do is come to the cross. And our people that we love and our friends are going, I ain't going to no stupid cross. If that's the only way, I ain't going to be no Jesus fanatic. I ain't going to do it. Our only prayer for them is, is, Lord, open their eyes. Let their eyes be open to you, God. Let their hearts be softened to you, God. You know, there, there's so many, there's so many things that you see in Scripture. There are very few times, and there are places, but there are very few times that God hardens or softens hearts. There are very few times that he, that he closes and opens eyes. Because most of the time, this is what he says. You, 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 open your eyes. You, 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 open your ears. 
If you have ears to hear, <laughs> if you got ears to hear, let the, what the Spirit's saying to the church, hear it. If you got eyes to see, hear it. Humble yourself before God, and this will happen. God says, if you do this, I'll do this. There's always that. And so our prayer for people doesn't mean we try to, God's already, God's already wooing them to the cross. He's 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 saying, I've made provision. I've made provision. I've made, look, 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 look. And so your prayer for your unsaved friends is that they look to the cross, that they'd see the love and the provision of God because there's no other way that a man might be saved other than that. And so I'm saying all those things to say to you today that, that Jesus is your salvation. He's the only way and people's eyes need to be open. He didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save it. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says this, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who, not, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says this, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. Everything available at the cross. So, so in closing, I just want to go over just a few things. Believers, those who practice righteousness, those who adhere to the truth, there is a common trait, and that is that they come to the light. Let me, let me, just, let me just tell you this. As long as you refuse to bring your character, your nature, your doings, you know, your choices, your finances, you know, your, your, your work environment. As long as you compartmentalize and you say, this is the spiritual aspect of my life and this is, the, you know, this is my part, this is God's part. As long as you do that, you're not going to ever have complete rescue and salvation. You need to bring everything to the light and in agreement with righteousness and truth. And anything that you bring, the promise of God is, I will rescue, I will save, I will bring peace, I will bring prosperity, I, I will bring victory to that thing. John 3, 20 and 21, let me read that one more time, this, this idea of, of, of the commonality of coming to the light. He says, for every wrongdoer hates, loathes, detests the light. And will not come out into the light, but shrinks from it. This is the light. Jesus is the light. Lest his works, his deeds, his activities, his conducts be exposed and reproved. But he who practices truth, who does what is right, comes out into the light so that his works may be plainly shown to be what they are, and that is wrought with God, divinely prompted, done with God's help in dependence, upon him in a relationship with him in coming to agreement with him. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says this, you, say that, me, you, yeah, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's possession, 
that may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light, it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says again, he says again, he spoke to them, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of light, life. Now, if you look at Acts chapter 26, as, as, as Luke is writing to the church, it says, open their eyes. This is teaching you how to pray. Lord, I pray that you would open their eyes that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith. Jesus praying. Open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. That they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith. So when we pray for people, we need to pray for them that they would come to the cross that was lifted up for them. That they would come to the light and they, they, that they would desire the truth. That they would desire to bear his name, to bear his character, to bear his nature. That they would hate sin and that they would love the truth. Now, one of the warnings Are you willing to allow God to bring snakes on your friends to get them to come to a place where they actually believe and come to the cross and look for healing again? You know, some people, some people don't want the snakes to come into the camp. They, they try to, to keep the snakes out. In other words, you know, even when it comes to sickness, you know, one of the things that the lady from uh, Rutherford, what's her name, David? Lisa. Is, uh, she's saying is, what I'm learning, you know, this, the, the power of prayer is amazing. The healing that I'm receiving is amazing. But what's really amazing is the discovery I'm, I'm having about who my Savior is. Yeah. You know, even in the midst of, of rough stuff, serpent-type poisonous, captive junk that comes from hell. We know it's not kingdom. God uses to reveal his character and his nature. And he just, he just does something remarkable in that. Well, some of your friends, how many of you came to Christ when you were at rock bottom? Would you just raise your hand? You came to Christ when, like, like, I mean, I was done. How many of you were like you were like kicking on all ten cylinders? You said, "I'm the greatest I've ever been," and that's when you came to Christ. <laughs> that is not true. I know your story. 
it, most of the time we're like, I mean, we have made dumb decision after dumb decision after dumb decision after dumb decision. We find ourselves in this place. We say, how in the world did I get here? I, I know better than this mess. And here I am again. And you call out on the name of the Lord, and there he is. But he allowed all that stuff to bear fruit. He allowed your poor choices to bear fruit so that that poison, that poison fruit that you were bearing because of your decisions was the thing that drove you to a place where you'd look at the cross. And, and you, you, you need to be praying that in for your friends. Lord, drive them to a place where they have nothing to do but look to you. Get them to a place where they, they rest you. You know, there should be so much more of an emphasis in the church on people who are condemning themselves because of their choice to refuse to look at the cross than there is about anybody ever needing prayer for healing physically. We're so quick to pray for the person who needs healing and so slow until the point that somebody's in a dire mess that we ever pray that they'd have the idea of coming and looking at the cross and receiving the Savior. And we need to get them there a lot quicker at a lot younger age. You know? And so, and so you have your lists. You have your lists. You've got church people. You've got church people who've been in denial, who are hiding their sin. You've got church people who are compartmentalizing. They're really giving God certain amounts and, and, and really not giving him other things. And, and sometimes God does that progressively because that's just where you are in your walk. Somebody was telling me the other day that you know, they smoked dope for like 14 years after they got saved. I was like, really? They said, yeah. I said, really? And they said, yeah. I said, well, there's a church in Colorado now you can go to and smoke dope. I mean, <laughs> but he said, he said about himself, I had so much other stuff to work through. There was so much other stuff to work through, I just didn't get to that for 14 years. <laughs> hey, that's true. Now tell me how the church would look at that. Would we judge that or would we save that? Would we rescue that? Would we walk with people? Would we love people? Into a place where they came to a, a saving knowledge of God and got rescued? I didn't come to condemn the world. I didn't come to judge the world. I came to save and rescue that which was lost. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Oh, that's good. Let's be praying for people. Yeah? Put it in your Bibles. Put it on your bathroom mirror. Put it on your dashboards of your car. You got too many names there. You need to focus on driving. <laughs> Write your names down. Go through your contact lists. Fill out your paper. People are depending on you to pray for them. Let's become the church that God intended us to be.
Father, in Jesus' name, I know that you said your house would be a house of prayer. We know, God, that, that you partner with your church to bring your kingdom to earth. We, we know, Jesus, that you, you, you want to be in relationship. You want to be in partnership with us. And, and that we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. And Father, wherever we go, we take you. Whatever we do, you see. Whatever we say, you hear. Whatever our posture is, God, you know. We don't compartmentalize, God. We can hide nothing from you. And so, and so Father, we, we, we quit acting like we can, and we just go ahead and bring everything to the light. Because we know that there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. We're, we're free, and who the Son has set free is free indeed. But we are no longer a slave to those sins. We no longer respond in unrighteousness. We bring it to the light. We agree with the truth of the gospel and the nature and the character of our God, the kingdom principles that need to be carried out in every aspect of our life as we go from glory to glory to glory. We thank you for that. We pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said.